Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Resting Place Carolwood. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. All right. How many are ready for the main point? Main point. If connection is the goal, forgiveness is how we stay there. Inside of our families, inside of our friendships, if connection is the goal, forgiveness is what keeps us there. Because here's the deal. You can have great personality. You can have wonderful social skills to develop connections easily with people. And although you can develop a connection, a connection or a friendship isn't really tested until pain is introduced to the relationship. Pain is the great tester of connection. It is the, it is the one that comes to prove if the connection is worth fighting for or not. Pain comes to test relational connection better than almost anything else. And if connection is the goal, when pain is introduced, the only thing that encourages us or the only thing that empowers us to stay inside the connection, even after pain has been introduced, is forgiveness. Because pain is a really good motivator to want to quit, isn't it? But forgiveness is what keeps us in the connection. Does that make sense? <sighs> Followers of Jesus should be the most forgiving people on planet Earth. We're continuing this series about family first. We're talking about what it means for the blueprint of heaven to come to Earth and how family is the starting point for heaven to invade the Earth. And I'm telling you right now that when it comes to the families of the Earth, in our family dynamic, Christians should be known as the most forgiving people on planet Earth, especially in the realm of family. Everyone say, ouch. <laughs> oh, yeah. This morning is going to hurt really good. <laughs> if there is one trait we should be known for, it should be for our supernatural ability to forgive. I even dare say that every time we forgive, it is in fact a minor miracle. Because something that genuinely defies our carnal human nature, it is also something that requires the power of God at work in the human soul to accomplish. When somebody hurts you and harms you, it's not in our fallen nature to naturally forgive. Why? Because our fallen nature has one goal, survival. And survival requires you to push away anything that's painful or threatening to your mental, physical, or spiritual health. So when someone harms you without having the love of Christ in you, it's not your natural inclination to forgive. That's why I say every time a believer especially chooses to forgive in moments of great pain, to me it's a minor miracle. Because it takes the power of God 
living inside someone's heart to make that happen. Don't take for granted what it, the, the amount of power it takes from God to get you to forgive somebody. I just want to take some time right now to appreciate the fact that some of you have forgiven in the most dire of circumstances. Some of you have stared abuse in the face and have chosen to forgive. So today, a lot, of, a lot of what you're going to hear for many of you as Christians is going to be a reminder. But there's going to be some of you that are hearing it for the first, for the first time. Forgiveness is a genuine sign of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit inside of someone's heart. You know, um, us Pentecostals, right? We've got Pentecostal backgrounds. They say that the number one sign that someone has the indwelling or baptism of the Holy Spirit is speaking in tongues. I'm going to tell you right now, as a pastor, I disagree. I disagree that that is not the only sign for the indwelling or baptism of the Holy Spirit. There are many signs of the indwelling and or baptism of the Holy Spirit alive inside of someone's heart. And it's not, the only one is not just speaking in tongues. Is that fair? Not saying speaking in tongues is not a sign. It is. But you know what I prefer? Um, I prefer you to speak in tongues, yeah, but I prefer you to forgive people in English. I speak in tongues, yeah, but are you forgiving in English? <laughs> oh. We forgive because God's a, a mighty forgiver. How many guys know that God is better forgiving than just about anybody else? Anybody know this to be true in their own life? It says in Psalms 25:11, for the sake of your name, Lord, forgive. My iniquity, though it is great. Everyone say, for the sake of your name. I didn't hear you. Say, for the sake of your name. It says, Lord, forgive my iniquity, though it is great. What David is saying here in the Psalms is like, God, for the sake of your character, on the basis of your nature, would you please forgive me? David was a man that knew God's heart. In fact, his greatest um, uh, uh, claim to fame is that he was a man after God's own heart. So he knew that inside the heart of God is a, is a God that seeks to forgive. So when, when David fell and sinned, he said, God, by your own nature, I know that you're a forgiver. So I plead to that very forgiving side of your nature. Would you please forgive my iniquity, though it is great? David knew that God would potentially forgive him because David knew that God was a forgiving God. He had forgiveness in his heart. It was part of his character. God forgives because it is his nature to forgive. I can just stop right there. We can literally just stop right there and go home and just say hallelujah. That God forgives because it's simply his nature. It's what he's like. He doesn't know how to be any different, by the way. This is what he's like. God forgives because it is his nature to forgive. Now, some people have got the Bible mixed up. How many guys say Amen. Are you the, anybody else can say amen that people got the Bible mixed up? Anybody? Yeah? 
Some people think that God just got nicer when Jesus showed up. Like God was really, really, really mean, and then boom, Jesus shows up and he's nice all of a sudden. Anybody? Anybody heard that or like noticed that tone? Some people got the Bible mixed up, y'all. Jesus, God didn't get nicer when Jesus showed up. Jesus just finally made God clear to understand. Even, but even in the Old Covenant, everybody say Old Covenant. But even in the Old Covenants, God was always searching for a reason to forgive. Oh, you know, God finally started forgiving when Jesus showed up. Wrong! God was searching. God, the entire time he has had relationship with humans, he has been searching for reasons to forgive. He told Abraham right before the judgment that was about to mount up against Sodom and Gomorrah. He said, Abraham, if I can just find 10 people righteous in Sodom and Gomorrah, I will not pour out my wrath. Just 10 in a city of thousands. If I can just find 10 righteous people, I'll spare the entire city. I'll spare the entire region. As many of you know, Abraham started off with 50, and then he kept negotiating his way down with God as if it was like a, a sale on Facebook Marketplace. Like, all right, maybe if we just bring it down a little. And God kept saying, yes. What if there's 50? All right, I'll spare it if there's 50. Okay. All right, well, maybe if there ain't 50, what if there's, you know, 40? And he kept whittling his way down. Finally said, God, what if there's 10? He said, for 10 people, I will not destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Look what he says to Jeremiah. Oh, look what he says to Jeremiah. In, in Jeremiah chapter 5, go up and down the streets of Jerusalem. Look and consider and search through her squares. If you can find but one person, if you can find but one person who deals honestly and seeks the truth, I will forgive the whole city. Our God is a natural at forgiving. He seeks reasons to forgive. Yes, even in an older covenant that was based on human, human merit, Based on human righteousness, he still sought reasons to forgive. And by the way, on the whole Sodom and Gomorrah thing, people always look at God as this wrathful God. Like, oh, God obviously wants to pour out wrath because look at Sodom and Gomorrah. Listen, for every Sodom and Gomorrah, there is a Nineveh. For every Sodom and Gomorrah, there is a Nineveh where God sends a messenger to preach the good news and the city repents. And instead of pouring out wrath, he pours out forgiveness and blessing. Read your Bibles, folks. I just think that one of the things we're addressing right now is many of you have a wrath-first view of God. Did you hear me? The thing that I'm addressing right now is that some of you have a wrath-first view of God. If you actually read your Bibles... If you actually sat and watched and read through the stories of the kings of Israel, God would wait centuries before he finally poured out wrath. In fact, we know this to be true because the kings of Israel would dabble in demonic worship and sacrifice children on demonic altars and they did it for centuries. And God would send prophets to tell them to repent, to tell them to repent, to tell them to repent, and they would beat and reject and, and even kill some of those prophets. 
There would be, every now and again, there would be some kings that would rise up. Righteous kings. Some of my favorites to announce, like Hezekiah and Josiah. Great righteous kings that would rise up and tear down the demonic altars and stop the sacrifice of children. But, but that was only few and far between. The bulk of the kings of the stories of Israel, or the story of the kings of Israel was one covered in the blood of children. And for centuries, for centuries, God asked them to repent. So finally, we have what? The Babylonian siege and the great exile of Israel. Finally, God pours out wrath. But what you need to understand is that God would have been a criminal if he did nothing. So when God pours out wrath, he does the least amount of damage to produce the most amount of good. Which is why if there's anyone who should be trusted with the wrath of mankind, it should be a gentle God like ours. Because you know what? In his wrath, he remembers mercy. In his wrath. When he pours out wrath on, if he pours out wrath on a nation, he still remembers mercy. So what I'm trying to address right now is some of you have this wrath first view of God, and it's not correct. Our God is the God that was willing to wait centuries. Give people centuries of time to repent before he finally poured out wrath. Do you follow with me? Yes? Yes or yes? Okay. This is why God is able to forgive the entirety of the sins of humanity. Because Jesus was the perfectly righteous one. He was tempted in every way but did not sin. Let's go back to what I read in Jeremiah chapter 5 verse 1. He said, if you can just find one. One that is righteous, I'll forgive a whole city. And then finally, one steps on the scene who is perfectly righteous. Now finally God found a reason to forgive humanity. And he found it in his own son. That's why we praise Jesus. That's why we thank Jesus. Because although he was tempted in every way, as a human, he did not sin. Oh, what if Jesus would have sinned? Well, he, he couldn't. He was God. Wrong. He was 100% God and 100% man. He could have sinned, but he didn't. And now, now you and I have access to forgiveness. Now there was one that was righteous that stepped on the scene that earned the forgiveness of God for all of us. Can we just praise Jesus right now? Come on, just give Jesus some praise right now. <laughs> like, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. The righteous one. I'm so glad. Now, when somebody asked me, so do you think you're, you're going to make it to heaven? Probably not on my own. But I don't got to worry about getting to heaven on my own because my life is, is riding on the boat that is Jesus and he's getting me in because he's the righteous one, not me. I have been put in Christ. And now I actually am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The same righteousness that Jesus bears, I now bear. Some of you actually, this is not on my notes at all, so whatever. Some of you have a problem with praying to God on your own righteousness. Part of the reason why you have an issue with praying to God is because you go to talk to God and you think about how many sins you've done in the last week or so. 
So now you're coming to God with this guilt trip, like, oh, God, I know. Man, I know I've messed up really this week, but if you could really help me out. Like, it's like, ah. Stop that. You don't go to God on your own merit. You go to God on the merit of Jesus. Do you understand? It would be like as if God, like, like you may think that God may want to avoid you because you've been sinning a lot this week. But God would never want to avoid a conversation with his son Jesus. Right? Let me ask you, would God ever want to avoid a conversation with his son Jesus? Yes or no? So if he would never avoid Jesus, guess what? He'll never avoid you because now you are in Christ. When you got saved, he didn't just come to dwell in you. You went to dwell in him. And now on the very throne of God, inside Christ, is Mike Holness. Inside Christ is Leslie, Brianna. You're all in him. So now you have been put in the highest position in heaven. All you have to do now is turn and the Father is, is right there. Because the Bible says that Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. And if Christ is there, you are there as well. <sighs> so start praying. Stop avoiding prayer as if like you're going to get struck by lightning. You don't access the throne of God on your own merit. You access it on the righteousness of Jesus. This is why the Bible tells us to approach the throne boldly. Because he made a way. Wow, not in my notes at all, but glad we went there, huh? Okay, hang on, hang on. Okay, so Jeremiah 31, 34, it says, No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. Ah, that word forgive is the Hebrew word salach. And salach means a pardon. A judicial pardon. The same way right now, the governor, if one of you actually were to go to prison right now, the governor of Florida can issue a, a judicial pardon and you can leave prison. You can leave scot-free. The, the governor has the power to pardon sin. This is a legal pardon. So when God forgives sins, it's like he's actually giving you a legal pardon. Except here's the thing. What a lot of people don't realize is that it actually works the same way as it does in our current judicial system. You can receive the pardon and choose not to accept it. The pardon can be issued and you can choose to still stay in your jail cell. Which is what happens to everyone that rejects Jesus. The, the judicial High table, the high court of heaven has offered a pardon to humanity. And although the pardon has been offered, not everyone receives it. They choose their jail cell. This is the great tragedy of the fallen lost. What's even more of a tragedy is that they never heard about the pardon because we were too scared, we were too scared to share our faith. Jeremiah 33, it says, I will cleanse them from the sin they have committed. I will cleanse them all from the sins they have committed against me. I will forgive their sins and their rebellion against me. Ah. Yeah, thank you, God. 
Matthew 9, verse 6, but I want you to know that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralyzed man, get up, your, get up, take your mat and go home. All of your sins have been forgiven. And the punishment of your sins that require, the punishment that your sins require have all been paid for by Jesus dying on the cross. Now here's my thing. I wonder how many of you are still paralyzed by your own self-condemnation and lack of receiving of your own forgiveness. Today it's time for you to pick up your mat and walk out those doors free. You are no longer paralyzed by your own condemnation. You have been forgiven. Let's all just take a deep breath, ready? That's forgiven air you just breathed, okay? Hmm. So here's the deal. Because God has forgiven you, there is one requirement. Because God has forgiven you, there is one requirement. You must now forgive others. The Bible says in the book of Genesis chapter 1, verses 27 and 28, he says, in, what is it? In the image of God, he created them, male and female. You have been made in the image of a forgiving God. So now it's your turn to forgive. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16, in the Amplified, it says, for who has known or understood the mind of the Lord so as to guide and instruct him and to give him knowledge? But we now have the mind of Christ and do hold the thoughts and feelings and the purposes of his heart. So well, I can't forgive. Yes, you can. You're made in God's image and you have the mind of Christ. If Christ in his mind could be hanging on the cross while they are spitting on him and mocking him and his flesh is torn to ribbons. If he can look down on the horizon of humanity and say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. While hanging and dying on the cross for the very people that put him there, if he can do it, so can you. You gonna play something? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. I'm going to read you a couple benefits for forgiveness. You guys okay with that? So this actually comes from a study from Johns Hopkins University. This actually comes from a secular doctor whether it's a simple spat with your spouse or a long term held resentment towards a family member or friend unresolved conflict can go deeper than you may realize it may be affecting your physical health the good news 
Studies have found that the act of forgiveness can reap huge rewards for your health, lowering the risk of heart attack, improving cholesterol levels and sleep, and reducing pain, blood pressure, and levels of anxiety, depression, and stress. There is an enormous physical burden to being hurt and disappointed, says Dr. Karen Schwartz, director of mood disorders of adult consultation clinic at Johns Hopkins, John Hopkins Hospital. Chronic anger puts you into a fight or flight mode, which results in numerous changes in heart rate, blood pressure, and immune response. Those changes then increase the risk of depression, heart disease, and diabetes, among other conditions. Forgiveness, however, calms stress levels, leading to improved health. Unforgiveness is killing you. But it doesn't have to. Because you've been forgiven of your sins, you can forgive the sins of your fathers. Because you've been forgiven of your sins, you can forgive the sins of your mothers, your brothers, your sisters, husbands, wives, friends, cousins, uncles. You can forgive your abusers. And in doing so, you can extend the years of your life. There was a man who forgave against all odds. One of my favorite stories in the Bible, forgiveness, is the story of Joseph. This man, Joseph, had dreams. But the Bible says that his brothers hated him all the more because he had dreams. Eventually, this young man was sold into slavery by his brothers. They lied to his father and said that he was killed. This man ended up going into slavery, working for Potiphar, and then he was convicted of sleeping with Potiphar's wife, although he did nothing wrong. Then he was thrown into prison, and he sat in prison for years. And then overnight, he went from prison to palace because he was able to interpret one of the dreams of Pharaoh. And then he actually, by the dream interpretation, was able to save the nations of the world because there was seven years of prosperity, they were able to save 20% of all the grain and then during the seven years of famine, all of the nations came to Egypt for food. Not only did he save the nations of the world and preserve the nation of Israel, he also gave the nation of Israel their ability to um, cohabitate the land of Goshen, which later on would be the land that they leave in the Exodus under Moses. What a lot of people don't realize in that story is how much it took for Joseph to forgive his brothers for selling him into slavery. It says here in Genesis 45, 4 and 5, so Joseph said to his brothers, come near to me, please. You know, when you're angry at someone, you want to push them away. But he looked at his brothers and he said, come near to me, please. And they came near, and he said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. 
And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here for God sent me before you to preserve your lives. Genesis 45, 13 and 15. You must now tell my father of all my honor in Egypt and all that you have seen. Hurry and bring my father down here. And he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and wept. And Benjamin wept upon his neck and he kissed all his brothers and wept upon them. And after that, all his brothers talked with him. We've all been wounded by family. But that doesn't have to be the end of the story. If forgiveness is the goal, connection, uh, sorry, if connection is the goal, forgiveness is what brings us back. As believers, we should be the most forgiving people on the planet because we have been forgiven to the uttermost. Let me tell you what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness does not mean that you have to allow the person to hurt you again. Forgiveness does not mean that you have to trust them the same way. Forgiveness also can bring with it boundaries until that person shows signs of change. Is that fair? So forgiveness doesn't mean you can let yourself be hurt every time. But forgiveness does mean that you now release that person of the debt to try to pay for the pain you experience. Forgiveness also doesn't automatically mean instant healing. Sometimes you forgive and you still feel the pain. But let me tell you this. When you forgive, you give God Almighty the permission to begin healing your heart. But he cannot heal a heart that refuses to forgive. I don't think you heard that last part. When you give forgiveness to another person, you give God Almighty permission to begin to heal your heart. But he will not heal a heart that refuses to forgive. <sighs> Why don't you stand to your feet? As you choose to partner with God for forgiveness, the love of God will transform you. Everyone say transform. As you choose to partner with God for forgiveness, the love of God will transform you from being angry with that person to eventually being angry for them. You will move from being angry with them to eventually as you forgive, you will begin to understand the pain that they went through to turn them into that ugly version of themselves that ultimately hurt you, right? Because hurting people hurt people, right? So if that person hurt you, once you forgive, God will begin to transform your heart from being angry with them to being angry on their behalf against Satan that damaged them in the first place. And then here's the deal. God will then use you to become the intercessor on behalf of your abusers. 
Because by the way, that's what Jesus did for us. When we abused him, he prayed for us. When we mauled him and wrangled him and beat him and mocked him, he forgave us and called the blessings of heaven down upon us. Which is why his act of selfless intercession now still has a ripple effect thousands of years later. Now, I'm not saying that this means you have to allow your abusers to keep abusing. That's all I'm saying. What I am saying is now you hold the authority in the hand to see them redeemed better than almost anyone else on the earth. And I could say that I've seen this happen with my own father. My father growing up was a very angry man. But I've been praying for my dad all my life. And now my father is genuinely not the same person he was. God has changed my father's heart. But it took someone, a lot of someones by the way, stepping in and choosing to forgive and start praying on behalf of those who hurt me. This is why Jesus says, whenever you do good to those who harm you, you draw burning hot coals on their head. Cut straight through the noise and start to rip the lies out of their own mind. Not only is he giving us the power to forgive, but he is stepping us in as authority to pray for those who hurt us and to see them redeemed and renewed and restored quickly. <laughs> he will move us and transform us from being angry at them to being angry for them. Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place, Carolwood. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.